in this series. Uh, it's a 10-part series. Um, Pastor Tom and myself have been um, tag-teaming it, and uh, we're answering questions. We're answering questions that, um, that people most commonly ask about the God, Jesus, and the Christian faith. And uh, the reason why we're doing this is so that you have answers for questions, right? Most of these most of these questions you already have come to terms with in your own mind. Unfortunately, most of the time when we come to terms with them in our own mind, it's because we, we're told by others that this is what we should believe. And so we just agree with those people. It's mo- it's, the most important thing is to get in the Word and find out for yourself why you have these convictions, why you have these beliefs that that you do because the Word of God, as we've seen already in past teachings, is the most reliable document on the face of the planet. Amen, amen. So let's let's jump into it. Let's start out with some uh, a scripture that people have on the refrigerator all the time. In Matthew chapter ten, verse twenty-six, this is Jesus talking. He says, "So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not." Be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. Do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear Him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Today's question. Would a loving God send people to hell? We're seeing this more and more in our culture in this day, this day and age, um, especially with the grace message, which, it, which is I am 100% behind um, the proclaiming of God's love for everyone and His grace through Jesus Christ and the, the ultimate work of salvation for humanity and that on the cross Jesus died for all everyone. All sins were covered, past, present, and future. And in Him... We have righteousness. We have right standing with God. We are made holy in Jesus Christ. But this gets people to start questioning. Then, do we all go to heaven? Is there, if God is love, from our own understanding of what love is instead of a biblical understanding of what love is, if God lo- is love, how could a loving God send anyone to hell? I mean, is ACDC wrong? There is no highway to hell? Right? I was thinking maybe we should have played that for our, our five-minute countdown, but I thought you guys would get mad. I mean, do, do all dogs go to heaven? This idea has grown more and more traction, not only in our culture, but also in in what some people call the church, it, it, it's interesting that the question is growing in popularity at the same time the things that the Word of God calls sin are also growing in popularity and no longer called sins. Culture has painted hell almost cartoon-like in its attributes. Right? we got the devil, you know, He's muscular. He's got a nice goatee, right? He's got a pitchfork. He, he, he looks da- dapper. I mean, hell, hell is a place that you know 
everybody wants to go to because that's where all the friend, their friends are going to be. That's where the party is, right? And heaven is just this far off place where, we, where, we, where diapers have little angel wings and strum harps. And the truth is, if we understood the truth of this place, we would never jokingly tell our friends to go there. The truth is, life in the afterlife is not something we should treat lightly if we truly had a revelation of its gravity. Hell is not a figment of our imagination. The Scriptures, which we have already established as truth handed down by God Himself, lays out these facts. First, that the location of hell is reached only by death. The conditions of hell are eternal suffering or what I would say eternal death. The occupants of hell are there for one reason and one reason only, sin. One thing that I have observed in Christendom is the tendency for Christians, some Christians, to have a subtle glee of those that they have turned over as rep- reprobates that they're fr- going to fry in their own fat for eternity. And we have to be very careful of not picking up that type of religious hard-heartedness in condemnation. The reality of hell is probably far worse than our most vivid imaginations could ever conjure up. The idea that there is anyone going there should bring a Christian to tears. It should move us to action. Gloating over the fact does not honor God, and it does not reflect the love and nature of Jesus. Who literally gave His life to save sinners. To save me. To save you. There is, there is much we do not know about heaven and, and hell. For example, the Scriptures use multiple different words such as Hades, Shiloh, to describe the place or condition of the departed dead who are unsaved that await God's final judgment. This might, this might come to a shock to you, but um, no one is in hell right now. They're in a place called Hades, the place of the dead. Jesus called it the abyss in Abraham's bosom, or paradise. And we can't get, we're not going to get into an in-depth teaching on the aspects of hell and all this, but um, paradise was emptied at Jesus' resurrection, and now you have a place called Hades that awaits for the final judgment of God. This top, topic is hot, hotly debated by scholars, and the one, but the one thing that we can know for certain, is that both heaven and hell are real. 
That's what we can know for sure. And for the average Christian, you know, an in-depth knowledge or study of hell is something that you, most people will not dive into. My, I personally have done this. I've, 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 I've questioned. I've heard uh, um, other teachings and understandings. You know, especially when you come into um, understand the grace of God, all of those things. People start trying to to balance and and try to this paradox of 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 a, in, eternal torment and a loving God and a and a grace filled God and a God that desires that no one perish but come to everlasting life and 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 we're not, we we can't cover everything in that if you, if this is a topic that you guys would like to know more on we we could do it we could do a series or teaching on it just let me know I I just don't think the average Christian desires to know these things but but here, here, here's what you, what you got. You got basically three views of hell. You have an evangelical traditional view. Um, the traditional view is that the wicked will be thrown into hell where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and pain forever, for all eternity. And then there's a second understanding of hell, which is annihilation, or annihilationism. And what this is, is that the wicked will be thrown into hell and be burnt up so that they no longer exist. And then there's a third understanding, is a term called ultimate reconciliation. All those who are thrown into hell will be, be purged of evil until every single person repents and believes in Jesus to the ultimate end that all will be saved and go to heaven. Some of this, like the ultimate reconciliation, there's there's people that actually believe that Satan will be saved. I don't know how they can get that, but out of the three views of hell, just so, so you, you know, I don't have no problem telling you from the studying that I have have done, I lean to annihilationism. That. In the end, all wickedness, hell, death, the grave, and all sin, and those that are married to it, will be destroyed forever. And like I said, we can do a deeper study if you'd like to, like me to. But uh, here's the thing of it is, is that sinners need to understand, and we need to come to grips too, is that, the, that, that God's judge, judgment that going into eternity is not just passing into non-existence. Because the Bible is very clear that that, that that transition, that there are flames from a fire, and that there is weeping, and there is gnashing of teeth, and it is not something that anyone should be looking forward to. Real suffering that really needs to be feared. It needs to be shunned. We have a Savior to embrace and a hell to shun. Because it will be horrifying. Jonathan Edwards says this quote, "'Tis dreadful, tis awful, but tis, it is true." There was a church 
they had a pastor, and he retired. They, they loved their pastor. He was a good pastor. He, he cared for the flock and wanted the best for them and studied the Scriptures to, to try to uh, lead them and guide them the best that they could. And when he retired, a, a new pastor came in. And uh, it was interesting about this pastor. The pastor started explaining many of the parts of the Bible away. And the pastor was very uh, well-spoken. Uh, he, he was very charismatic. And uh, he used it twisted theology, and, he, and, he, and these, this couple noticed that this twisted theology started affecting um, those that attended the church that were once strong in faith. Now they were questioning their faith. They were questioning what they believed. They were, they were questioning, questioning the, the Scriptures. And the couple went to the pastor privately, and they talked to the pastor about his less than biblical theology, and eventually the conversation came to the, uh, the, the idea um, the subject of hell. And the pastor says, well, today scholars know that hell isn't exactly what people thought it was for centuries. God is love. Eternal punishment and hell have for centuries been, been spoken of as too literal of, of, a, in a, of a sense. The couple said, so what you're saying is that you don't believe in hell. And, 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 and the pastor says, no, no, I, I do not. Then the couple started walking away and the pastor said to them, we'll see you next Sunday. And one of them said, no, you won't. And the pastor looked surprised. Why not? And with childlike faith, just common sense and, and consistent logic, one answered, Think about it. If there is no hell, we don't need you. And if there is a hell, we don't want to be misled by you. Friends, hell is real, despite some that are trying to soften this truth. Let's look at, we're going to look at ten scriptural um, facts about, about hell. First, uh, the Bible, our authority on, on the matters of eternity, clearly affirms the reality of hell. In Revelation chapter 20, verse 11, it says, Then I saw the great white throne and Him who is seated on it. From His presence, earth and, and sky fled away, and there was, no, there was no place found for Him, for them. And I saw the dead great and small, standing before the throne. And the books were open. Then another book was open, which was the book of life. And the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. Why are they being judged? According to what they have been done. What they have done. We go to hell because of what we've done. We go to heaven because of what Jesus has done. It continues in verse 13, And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in, it, in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. What is what is death ceasing to be? The lake of fire. 
And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Isn't it interesting that the one thing that keeps you out of the lake of fire isn't the book of your deeds, it's the book of life. Lake of the lake of fire, that is that is that is hell. Jesus taught and affirmed the reality of hell. Right? This wasn't something that Jesus said, hey, don't worry about it. No, he taught a lot. Some people say he taught more on hell than he did heaven. I I don't know if that's actually true. But he taught quite a bit on hell. Again, have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. But I tell you in the dark, I say in the light, what you hear or whisper, proclaim from the rooftops, and do not fear those that kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy body, soul, or both soul and body in hell. Jesus says that there is a hell and that your body and your soul will be destroyed. Humans, the Bible teaches, are morally accountable to God. We are accountable to our Creator. We're accountable to our Creator. And since the Garden of Eden, God has given free will that we exercise on a daily basis. For, for those who ultimately trust Jesus as Lord, um, we have a place that is prepared for us called heaven, but He has also provided a place for those who choose to reject Him. This ultimate destination is called hell. Right? Let's use some common sense. An illustration. If I was a billionaire, Right? If I was a billionaire and I took somebody and I forced them to come and live with me, I forced them to come and live with me because I'm a billionaire. Their life is going to be so much better with me. And they didn't want to come and live with me. They had a family. They had they had they had their own life. They had their children. But no, I said I said no, you're coming with me. You're going to live with me because your life is going to be better with me. You're going to have anything that you want. Life is going to be perfect. Your every need's going to be taken care of for you. Is that morally am I morally right in doing that? No, I'm not, right? I'd probably go to jail. They would arrest me for kidnapping and holding someone against their will. Right? No matter how good my intentions were, no matter how much I wanted to bless that person, no, ma- no matter how much I knew that their life would be better if they spent it with me. If that is morally wrong for us to do that, then it would be morally wrong for God to do that. To force someone against their will that has rejected Him. That hates Him. That doesn't want anything to do with Him. Do you understand that? 
God is a moral God and He will not infringe upon our will. He will not infringe upon our choice. To deny the reality of hell undermines the fixed nature of Christian revelation. What, what does that mean? It means we've already established in previous teachings that we've established that the Word of God was given by divine revelation. Correct? That the Word of God was given us, to us by God. It was inspired by the Holy Spirit as in, and they wrote as God, as the Holy Spirit directed them. Right? The Holy Spirit moved on the writers. So if that is true of the Scriptures, we can't just remove divine revelation just because it doesn't fit the way that we want it to be. We can't take one truth and make it override another truth. We can't make truth disappear. Truth is truth. Our job is, is, is not to, to, um, to talk about our truth. Our job is to seek truth. And Jesus is truth. So we can't just erase the revelation that God has given us about hell because we don't like it how it makes us feel. Number five, the reality of hell is intrigued intricately my goodness intricately tied to the person and work of Christ because if there was no hell there's no reason for Jesus to come if there is no hell then our understanding of who Jesus is and what he did is it needs to be thoroughly revised but Jesus clearly sets the record straight in Revelation chapter 1, verse 18, showing he, he is conquering the work of hell that was accomplished on the cross. He says, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Jesus came to save us from hell. The reality of hell does not compromise God's love, as we'll see in the following, following, uh, following truths. First, number seven, it says hell is necessary because God's nature demands that wickedness be punished. Romans three twenty three: For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Who's all? All. All means all. Every single one of us. And since we've all fallen short of God's standard of righteousness, we all deserve what? Hell. This is something that we all need to come to grips with. We deserve hell. The question should not be, how, how could God send anyone to hell? The question should be, is how could God bring anyone to heaven? And that concludes you and me. How could a perfect, holy God bring that which is imperfect into His very bosom? 
See, it's completely unfair. It's completely fair that some choose to go to hell. Actually, any of us going to heaven is what is completely unfair. It's unfair. It's scandalous. Because the same law that God established that separates Himself from wickedness condemns us to that very same separation. The divine established laws of the universe don't let a sinner off the hook. Sin has consequences and it also has eternal consequences. Well, we're on earth, we see a glimpse of sin's ramifications, don't we? You can see the evidence, the bad fruit that sin produces in our earth. Right? You don't have to go too far, just look in your own life. Look at how sin has damaged relationships, how sin has caused mistrust. I just look at my own life. Sin has ramifications. Sin has, is destructive in nature. Sin leads to death. It leads to death. And while on earth we, have, we see the glimpse of these ramifications, yet the end of life is when the greatest consequence of heaven and hell are faced. The idea is hard for humans to take because we do not have the same type of disgust towards sin and evil and wickedness that God has. This is the problem. This is why people have a hard time with hell. Because we do not despise sin. We do not despise sin. Even the best of us flirts with sin. We flirt with sin. We smile at it. We wink at it. We too often forget that one single sin equates to death. This is one of the reasons why we encounter God's when, we, when this is one of the reasons why when we do encounter God's perfect and just and appropriate response to sin that he sees in our lives we want to call him unjust. We want to call him unjust. He's unfair. Because these moments of encounter with God's true holiness and justice, we also see most clearly our sinfulness. Our entire being recoils from those encounters. Just think of John when he seen Jesus. He fell down as a dead man. Peter in a boat. Jesus was in the flesh. And, and what it, he seen the miraculous power of God move after hearing Jesus teach. And then the miraculous... Um, the miracle of the fish. And he fell, fell to his knees and says, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When you experience the holiness of God, when you experience the standard of God, the purity of God, you realize how in need of God we are. 
as humans, all of us know in our hearts when we're being honest with ourselves that we all automatically qualify for death row. This just isn't a club for murderers, extortioners, rapists. This is for all that have done anything contrary to God's will. It's not just for those that do really bad and big things. A single time of going against God's will makes you eligible for hell. What is unfair then is that a God would provide a way for us to escape. That's what's unfair. In 2 Corinthians 5.21 it says, For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. See, the problem is, is that we are in sin. And, Jesus, and God wants you to be in Jesus, in Christ. Because sin will be destroyed in a place called hell. And if you're in sin, you will be destroyed even if God desires for you to be saved. Because you are in sin. We need to have that miracle take place in our very core of our being where we're transferred from sin to in Christ. To be in Christ. To be in Christ. Just like Noah was in the ark, we need to be in Christ. Just like Noah was saved from the judgment, we will be saved from the judgment in Christ. Number eight, hell is necessary because man is not really seeking God, but he's actually running away from God. Hell is the farthest place that you can run from God. Left to our own devices, we wouldn't choose to follow God. It's by God's grace. It's by God's wooing. It's by God continually reaching out to humanity over and over and over again. How many times has He reached out to you? How many times is He still reaching out to you? Desiring a closer, more intimate walk and and relationship with Him. If it was left up to us, we'd all choose to go our own way. And and the broad way leads to one way. To hell. Nine, in the day of judgment, the condemned will not be so because they haven't heard of Jesus. We're not condemned because we haven't heard about Jesus. We're condemned because of sin. Do you understand that? We all were worthy of hell because we all have sinned. People will not be condemned because they didn't hear about Jesus. They will be condemned because they chose to sin. The condemned will be consigned to hell because they violated the clear moral standard that they really did, that they already knew within them, and they chose to reject it. Look at what Romans tells us. 
in Romans chapter 2, verse 12, it says, For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. So who's that, who, does, who, who does that include? It includes everyone. Everyone. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For then, when the Gentiles who do not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law unto themselves even though they do not have the law. What is he talking about here? Even though they might not under, have the Ten Commandments that God give, gave the Israelites, intuitive inside them, they, they know just by natural law, by, by how God made us and created us, they have a law unto themselves. They know right from wrong. And what they do is, is it, they show that the work of the law is written where? On their hearts. While their conscience also bears witness. And their conflicting thoughts accuse or even excuse them. On that day when according to my Gospel, God judged the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. We know. Read, continue to read um, first and, and, and second chapters of Romans. It, it, no one is without excuse. Every single person on the face of the planet knows there is a God. They know that they're morally accountable to Him. And they know that they're not Him. And we have a choice where we seek to find out who that God is. Or will we reject that God and become our own God? And God promises one thing, that if you seek Me, you will find Me. And ten, rejecting God's infinite love merits deserves eternal punishment. There's serious guilt in, there, there's serious guilt in choosing self, in choosing sin, over, choosing, over a Redeemer, and over rescue. We were born to be with God. Yet doing so because of our natural state requires us to be saved. It requires us to be saved. If we know of a Savior, yet decide to try to save ourselves, we alone must face the consequences of our own pride. So the question is, is would a loving God send people to hell? You know, God laid down His life to prevent anyone from going to hell. So when it comes to the question, would a loving God send people to hell? The answer is no. But if you choose to, He will let you. Here's my hope in this message. Is that we would no longer be indifferent to the idea of eternal destination. Now, we won't be indifferent to where, where people are going, where our grandchildren are going, where our, our, our sons and our daughters are going, where our neighbors and our co-workers and, and our loved ones are going. Now, we won't be indifferent. That, we would, that, that this understanding of, of, of the reality of hell should, it should 
serve as a mandate uh, to move us by love. To move us by the same love to preach the gospel of the good news of Jesus Christ. The same love that moved God to send Jesus in the first place. Because here's the truth. Hell will be filled with good people. Hell will be filled with good people. And here's another truth. Heaven will be filled with bad people. If, if, if you talk to someone and they say, well, I'm pretty good. I'm, I'm a good person. I'll go to, we're going to talk about this in, in the next uh, teaching. Are people basically good? This is huge in our culture right now. That people are basically good. And, it, and if we could get, get everyone to agree and, and, and uh, that we're all good and, and we'll just create a utopia. People are not good. We are not good people. We have the propensity to always go towards evil. We have the propensity to always be selfish. We have the propensity to always be prideful and self-centered and hurt other people just so we can have our own gratification. We are not good people. Hell will be filled with good people. And heaven will be filled with bad people. Because the only thing that gets you to go to heaven is bad people trusting the one and only that is truly good, and that is Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus alone is what gives us eternal bliss. The reward of heaven. With one word, with one word, Jesus, we can be part of God's rescue plan for humanity. We can rescue those that are heading to eternal death. It's all about Jesus. It's so simple. With that one word, church, we can depopulate hell. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Karis New Testament Church. For more information or to contact us, go to www.karisntc.org. And remember, you are deeply loved highly favored and destined to reign in Christ Jesus.